Hi everyone, it's Christina and thank you for joining me for another episode of Diva Dialogues. Actually, we're changing it. We're changing it to Classroom Diva Dialogues. This episode is just you and me. I wanted to take time to just explain some new changes that we're going to make and we're going to look back for us to look forward for this upcoming school year. The first thing I want to share is we're changing our name to Classroom Diva Dialogues because we're not just any divas. We are very particular and mindful in the things that we choose to do in our classrooms for student learning. Uh, second, I wanted to just thank you for being part of the audience. There are tons of podcasts out there, but you chose to spend your podcast time with me and my guests. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't yet, please make sure you rate us and leave comments so other people can hear more stories from incredible educators and leaders in education. Thirdly, coming soon, uh, we spent the last set of episodes looking back at what teachers were doing to get through the COVID closure, but the next few episodes are going to focus are going to focus on what we can do to prepare for this upcoming school year, which leads me to this episode. This episode is going to be looking back to help us look forward. There's an excellent graphic I saw. Uh, Eric Scheniger posted it. He said that the new normal is gone. Uh, we have a blank canvas we have the power to create the new normal. So I wanted to spend time today to look at five key traits I noticed from our previous guests and how that can help us plan and move forward. Let's get started. So these are the five traits that I noticed uh, that these amazing educators and leaders were doing during crisis teaching that we're going to look back on and we're going to be talking about how we can make them better while we go into the next school year. So the first one we're going to talk about is keeping students engaged and connected. Number two, we're going to, I'm going to dive into how we were open to new tools and flexible. Uh, number three, clear communications and expectations. Number four, uh, relationships, and number five, self-care. So we're going to dive into those and look at what we realized back then and how we're going to make them better going forward for this upcoming year. So let's dive into the first one. Um, since a lot of these traits we pulled out during our crisis teaching mode, and while I am so superbly proud of how teachers still found these valuable habits, we're also going to take a look at how we can make them better. Because while we're looking back at what did work, we can look back and adopt what did work and also fine tune it to make it better. Because remember, we are recreating this new normal and uh, the spring was not normal. We did not know it was coming, but we kind of have an, have an idea of what we can do, but let's think about ways to make it better. So the first one, uh, I want to dive into how we kept our kids engaged and connected. I think back to our primary teachers in the first episode. Uh, primary is very hands-on, highly concrete, and they still found ways to keep their students engaged by having them use uh, things from home to represent their thinking 
they still use tools for them for, for their kids to share their thinking by using video tools. Uh, there were some teachers like Sasha. She taught high, she teaches high school. She had her students do a collaborative uh, cookbook, which kept her students connected and kept them engaged with the learning that they're doing. I highly advise you to keep that going, but we can, how can we make it better? Um, I ask you to look into high effect instructional strategies. John Hattie has been researching them for years and listed them. There's a link in the, in the show notes to that. Also paying attention to attention span. I know that I heard from a lot of parents that Zoom calls were so long and videos were so long. Pay attention to your student's attention span. Uh, just because you, your students are on Zoom, just because they're watching a video doesn't equal engagement. So keep that in mind. I'm also going to include um, in the notes here a table of students' attention spans, average attention span by grade level. So keep that in mind when you are uh, keeping your students engaged on Zoom and while you're having them do a video. Uh, also, making the most of your face-to-face -face time. Um, if they can watch a video before you meet online, make that happen so that your discussion and engagement time is devoted to higher level thinking questions and discussions and activities. One other thing before we wrap up this section is there's a graphic that Eric Scheniger again uh, put out there, which is eight non-tech remote learning ideas. And I'm not going to read through all of them, but I will have the graphic on the show notes. But a couple from his list include uh, offering your students playlists and choice board activities, movement activities, reflective writing journals, you know, guided and independent practice. There are so many ways that we can keep our students engaged in learning rather than having them be passive in front of a screen uh, to absorb the content. We want our kids working with the content, thinking with the, thinking deeper with the content and skill that we are uh, helping them learn and do. So those are just a few things that we did well and what we can do to elevate it and make it even stronger and better going forward. The next trait I noticed was that these teachers were so flexible and open to learning a better tool that suited the learning that their students were doing. Not being afraid to say, this isn't working, let's try something else. So, yeah, if something's not working, don't do it. Because uh, remember, student learning is key here. And while it's tempting to say, oh, I'm going to use a puppet, I'm going to use Kahoot, I'm going to use, I'm going to use all these tools, slow your roll. Remember, we want to keep the eyes on the prize, which is effective pedagogy. So I advise you to keep two to three tools in rotation to keep student engagement and learning front and center. It's so tempting to overload a lesson and activities with all of these tools, but remember what is what is our main goal? Our main goal is, is for our students to think critically and for them to collaborate and to have deeper understanding. So I'm not saying to don't know any tools, but pick two or three that you can see you can use for a variety of activities. Um, 
I also urge you to think about and assess what you're having the students doing with the digital tools. Uh, take a look at Bloom's taxonomy. Are you using that tool for the very low rated um, actions? Are they just regurgitating responses? Or are you having them evaluate? Are you having them recreating? Um, also look at the ICLE rigor relevance quadrants. Are you, are you doing all of the work and they're just uh, repeating in their own way? Or are you asking them to think about their thinking and showing their learning? Um, I'm also posting those graphics in the show notes too. So to make uh, our tools better, pick two or three tools and not just use the tools, but think more deeply, what are you having your students do with those tools as we go forward as well? So the third trait that I noticed that a lot of these teachers had were that they were very clear in their communication and very clear in their expectations. Whether it was a principal, I'm thinking of my friend Kristen, uh, the Swatera middle school principal, her communication was very clear with her staff. And I'm also th thinking about teachers, my other Kristen friend, and she was very clear with the parents and students by using screencast videos to explain assignment instructions and also helping them navigate where to get the information, uh, making it better. We know that clear communication is so vital. It really eliminates the swamp of emails of where's this, where's that, how do I do this, how do I do that? Um, now we know that works. So I advise you to have that conversation with your building administrators and even teachers to choose one learning management system platform so that if you have students in varying grade levels within a district, the parents and the students know how to access the tools and the schedules right away. I also um, even advise you to have the same kind of setup in each and every classroom. Uh, yes, teachers, they love to be creative, but we need to remember we are making this easier for our families and our students to access important information and also their assignments. So try to keep everything unified so everybody knows where to access everything at one time. Um, establish the expectations of using the digital tools with students during the first weeks of school. I know that uh, prior to COVID, I know that the school year was always about setting classroom expectations, school expectations, but um, establishing that whole uh, of the digital citizenship component, making it very clear of the expectations of what is polite behavior on a Zoom call, uh, their attendance is, is expected uh, because it's a little bit different than how it was back in the spring. Spring was crisis time, but this is now school, establishing that right away that you're expected to be on the call. You're expected to hand in the assignments from the get-go and have uh, a routine for troubleshooting. If, if students and parents are encountering a problem, how should they go about notifying you 
or even the tech support that your school provides. Having that clear communication up front will save you and everyone else so much time so you can focus on building those relationships and planning uh, highly effective and um, lessons for your students and, and experiences. And did I have something else here? Uh, virtual spaces. Now. Yeah, uh, once again, if you need a video to help them learn how to navigate, uh, maybe even try a scavenger hunt so they know right away where to look for your office hours, where they can find the assignments, uh, just so that everybody's on the same page from day one. That's really going to be helpful because we know that worked last time. So now for the fourth trait that I've noticed that these amazing teachers were weaving through was the importance of relationships. Siobhan hit the nail on the head in episode one when she said that connections and relationships triumph curriculum. That is core. And we kept hearing that, that the stronger the relationships that the students had with their teachers, the more responsive they were in making sure that they were being engaged in the Zoom calls and with assignments and reaching out for help because we built that trust for our students to be there. So uh, if I had to rank these, I would put that as number one, but we're not ranking them because they're all important. But this one is huge. And I know uh, through the webinars I've been through over the summer and tweets through Twitter chats, the SEL component is huge because we know how highly effective it is. And also we know our kids have been through a lot since they've been in the physical learning space with us. So what we did do was uh, help our kids establish goals. Uh, we gave them time to just spend together while we were on our virtual uh, spaces because we could not be in person. Uh, a couple of things that we can do to make it better. Uh, I know that for my building, for my district, we adopted a school-wide initiative, which is called the Random Acts of Kindness curriculum it is free and it is available online so so weaving in uh sel and the random acts of kindness into your curriculum into your culture is going to be so essential to give our kids uh tools for regulation and for naming emotions and working themselves through it um i know some schools are talking about having school-wide goose chases where they're kind of doing a scavenger hunt where they practice uh, their their regulations and uh, naming and using tools to help them uh, going through those tough moments. But aside from the school-wide initiatives, we can do the one-to-one -one things such as being intentional in checking in with our students. Just how are you doing? Um, how can I help you? I know some teacher friends have used Google Forms for students to do a check-in because maybe they may not feel comfortable talking to you into one, but giving them a discreet way to let you know how things are going and for you to write notes back and forth to them. So yeah, that's a big one. And for our last... And the fifth trait, I kind of wove that in myself at the end of every episode. I asked, I asked everybody, how are you? Self-care. 
Uh, we need to create those boundaries so that we are taking care of ourselves. And that's actually one of the one of the classroom digital diva tenets. You know, we are we are self-aware and we take time to take care of ourselves because we cannot pour from an empty cup and we cannot be our best for others if we're not our best for ourselves. So have some hobbies, have some workouts that you like doing. Um, I just realized that I can pair my phone to my TV so I can do Zumba in my living room. Uh, so finding ways that you're taking care of yourself. Um, I just got a jade roller for my face. So when I do my masks, that feels really good and cooling. So make sure that you're taking care of you. That is very important as well. So those are the five traits that uh, I could, I should call them the, the, the five traits of awesomeness, but, but five great traits. Oh, that's my dog snoring. If you hear her, if you hear that right now, um, that I saw that worked very well back when we were in crisis, crisis teaching that can help us along the way as we do it, whether it be in person, virtual or hybrid. And let me know your thoughts on this. You can go to the, go to the website uh, uh, and add a comment. Um, I'm also on Twitter and also on Instagram. So you can also drop me comments there as well. Thank you for listening and you stay safe and I'll see you around. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.